Aaron? All right, yeah. Okay, so we're we're back. Yeah, let's pick up right where we left off. So you were listening to Corey's podcast. Yes, yes. I was listening and um, it, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. So Facebook, and thank you, by the way. You know, it is interesting to follow us as a, a class. And I, too, am friends on Facebook with a lot of the folks that we went to school with. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's cool to see people's babies and you know, milestone moments and happiness and kind of go through life still together. Um, so with that said, okay, so what you guys witness, there, there's, there's somebody to blame for it. And, and he, I don't know where he's at in the world, but Paul Clausia. So Mr. Clausia from Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the debate team with <laughs> Mr. Clausia. Yeah. And so it, it like it's still in me. It's in me. And so I wake up in the morning and I get fired up. Like, okay, you know, here's this topic in the news. And I'll hop on and I like to jump into not my own echo chamber. I like to go shake up other echo chambers. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> so for me that would be, you know, really hopping into kind of the the alt right. Um, I do try to find common ground um, where I can, but also, you know, I, I, I like to come along and, you know, have some SmackDown moments. It's like WWF, right? Like when we used to watch on Friday nights. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it is my true entertainment. And so I'll hop in, I'll see a topic and, or I'll see somebody say something that'll be thought provoking. And I'm like, you know what? I either strongly agree with this or I really don't think this is right. So then I'll start Googling and I'll go and I'll find my sources and I'll vet them and I'll come back with, you know, my, my vetted information, like waving it in the air and come back with my little fingers flying like, okay, take this, take that. um, And let me cite some sources for you. And yeah, so that is what it is that, that you guys witness and sorry, not sorry. I have a good damn time. Yeah, yeah, no, no worry. <laughs> the only worry I have is that some of these people are crazy. So I just worry about you and your safety long term, you know, because who knows what nut job is going to seek you out because he got put in his place or something, you know? Very, that, it is so very true. Um, and all of the information on my social media is very outdated. So I don't update my city. I don't update, you know, my employer. I... I, I definitely have that feeling that if people, if there are uh, some people who've hopped into my inbox and by all means, if they could find me, it'd be some trouble. So, um, yeah, it, it is what it is, but you know, social media folks, chill, shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good. Um, so yeah, I, that was a good conversation with Corey. Let's talk about some of that conversation. Um, and, and your part, in getting the African American studies into Roosevelt. Yeah, that's something that I'm I'm very very proud of us of you know the class of '93 and as Corey said, um, it was himself. Um, it was Janelle McGough and it was Davida Williams along with myself and. We'd Those are some bad badasses right there. They are. That that's the heavyweight crew right there. That's the the get it done. Um, you know, those are those are rock stars for sure. 
and I was was proud to be be with him. And magic happened for us that day. If my memory serves, I believe we had heard about Drake students doing a, a walkout. So you know, Corey and I were talking, and Davida. I mean, hell, it might have been all of us at the same time. I don't know, but we got it going. The the idea that you know what, on this day, we just we just got to stand up and make a difference. And you know, we want our our voices to be heard. And so you know, let's let's rally the the troops. Um, and so, you know, I know they went around to, to classes. Um, I was that that person that was put on the phone to contact the news stations. So, yes, I, I as Corey jokingly calls me the minister of communication. <laughs> uh, but they came, they came and we were really ultra focused that we wanted we wanted a tangible, you know, for it. We didn't just want to mark injustice and mark, um, you know, what, what was just, I mean, Rodney, Clint, uh, Rodney King, that video, I, I don't know if up and until George Floyd, if we had seen such another clear cut case of police brutality. And, and there, there actually have been. Um, Tony Tempa, that that's a name. It's a video that's horrible. People don't don't mention him. He's a white dude, and it, what happened to George Floyd essentially happened to him. Nobody talks about him. Um, so there have been cases out there, and so it's really sad that in 1990, what is that? One, two, nine. I'm not even sure exactly what year that was, but I think us, 92. You think that was 92? Okay. Like for us to stand up then, and as a country, here we still are, and it's, it's really horrendous as something, but nonetheless, um, we petitioned the, the school administration, and we ran it through, to the school board, and we were able to get African-American history not only at Roosevelt, and I'm not sure Corey realized that when, when he was saying it, but we were actually able to get it implemented across the Des Moines public schools. So students at North, students at Hoover, students at East, y'all are welcome. We, we did that. <laughs> yeah. and, and get your own podcast too. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, right. that's nice. To. That's nice. Um, and I think the crazy thing about that Rodney King video, since we're talking about that, it was, it was like the first recording of such yeah. an instance, which is why it blew up. It's on one of those old school camcorders. And if I'm not mistaken, some dude was in like a hotel room or something. And it was purely by accident that he saw this going on and picked up his camcorder. Otherwise, I mean, Rodney really? King wouldn't have had a voice. If I remember the behind the story type deal that was done on that. Um, yeah, that's craziness. And then yeah. we, we all know what happened after that. And But sticking with your activism... Yeah. You went up to the, the George Floyd deal in I Minneapolis, did. the memorial. I did. And that was, man, that was a, an experience. Um, I felt the need to be there. I was, I was actually in Des Moines at the time that like the fires started, you know, and I was sitting there and I'm watching my childhood memories burn. So, you know, again, I didn't join you guys until, 
sixth grade. So my elementary school years, I was in Minneapolis and I lived in that neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. So like that Chicago Lake Street area, like I've, I've walked every inch of those, those blocks, ran the alleys like that is my shit. And so I'm walking, watching like the Chicago uh, Lake Liquor Store burn and the Target. Um, my, my niece is a, a student at University of St. Thomas. You know, I got all of her, her stuff for college there. We shopped for her stuff there. Like I, this is my area. Like I feel like it, it's my, my community too. So I wanted to be there. Um, and that's what motivated me honestly to go. Now, when I got there, it was really something. It was a surreal experience to be there at George Floyd Square. I was there um, by May 30th. And so I think that had occurred to him. It had happened to him like the 24th, 25th. So it was within a couple of days. I was there in the early days. And it was um, soul-stirring, humbling, it's something to see the people come together, but I had, you know, some eye-opening takeaways for my own self, um, stuff that I, I don't really talk about too much, but I guess one it, to share would be, y'all, there's, there's a lot that's going on in this country, and um, I, saw, I saw a lot of sub- subversive type of activity going on around the square you know there would be trucks with no license plates and you know people just doing really erratic shit i saw a car you know drive into the crowd of of people and um i caught it i caught it on video and so i'm like oh my god oh my god you know let me get this to the police and so i tried to find a police officer and there was none there were none there were none anywhere. And I drove for, for several blocks and I finally found um, a squad car that was responding to, you know, something else. And the officer was like, oh yeah, no, you're not going to find a police officer. No, we're not, we're not going in there. And so I remember that. I, I witnessed that firsthand and I've watched unfold since then that, um, for example, the people at George Floyd Square are keeping or kept law enforcement out or kept um, first responders out. And that just simply isn't true. It, it just, it isn't. Um, I also saw some subversive activity kind of on the other side of, of the spectrum in that standing in the square, I saw these people roll up, homegirl rolls up with a bullhorn, you know, and, and this is like a rainbow troop of people. So you've got a mixture of races in this group of like five people. And like they were professional protesters. I don't know how else to say it. She, you know, homegirl rolled up with her, her megaphone and was like, hey, who's in charge of this? And really no one was in charge. It was just individual people who showed up just to be connected to what they saw, to try and make sense of that horrible video that we all saw. And, um, you know, nobody responded, so she said it again, and she just arbitrarily starts giving directions that, oh, we've got to get with more people, we need more people, we need more people. And then she convinces this a gr- the group of people to move from there to the police station. And she passes the megaphone, and the next guy, 
he starts talking about pouring milk in eyes and you know you get maced and it's like how the how the hell do you people know this how do you know this stuff you know and i am an activist so i was really blown away and i felt that that was very manufactured now on that day i did follow them and so like i'm, I'm following them with like my android and i'm on facebook live and, and stuff so some people caught this that that day but we go rolling over towards the the police station um let me say up front and first no one at any time in this group was rioting these none of these people nor myself were involved in any sort of damage to any police station that is not what was going down that day but they did march to it i broke off from them because i wanted to still check out the area and um by the time I circled back, it was maybe 45 minutes later, I now see this group running towards me. They're running away from the police station. And um, this is after I've encountered these, you know, other protesters uh, where one woman had been shot in the eye by a, a projectile. You know, so I'm, I'm like on Minneapolis streets. It's nighttime. It is after curfew, so I'm now criminal out there, and I'm aware that I'm I am committing, you know, criminal yeah. violation and being out there. But I felt like if there was no justice, if there's no justice, then there's if there's no law and order, there's no law and order. That is what I felt in my heart, and so I felt that I was being rebellious and and being out there, um, and and I was okay with with that at least, and so. You know, I'm, I'm walking past these buildings that are burnt out. You know, there's still smoldering going on. I see this woman who's been shot in her eye. Here come these people running towards me. Now, Aaron, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm black. And so being black, if I see a group of people running towards me, I don't need to yeah. do anything. Yep. I'm yep. pew. And so I turned around and started running with them. Like, okay, let me just get away from whatever the hell y'all are running from. You don't want to see what's on the other side of that. No, I don't. That group. <laughs> I, really, I, really, I trust you. <laughs> I really don't. And we got a couple of, you know, maybe a couple of blocks down. And I'm not with them. And I don't know really what's going on. So I didn't want to be all up in the mix. So I was on kind of the flank on the outside. And I found uh, somebody's yard that was elevated. You know, they had some brick, you know, kind of their yard was raised with bricks. So I stood up there so I could be oh, kind of in the mix, but not really and, and not get trampled. Like I'm safe up here. Yeah. And so this guy is standing next to me and he said, you know, he starts like freaking out. And he's a stranger, but he was like freaking out. And so I turn around like, dude, like what's what's happening? And he's like, do you see them? They're coming, they're coming. And I'm like, who? And he's like, look. And so he bends down and, you know, I bend down with him and we could see, you know, under the tree line to the street and Aaron, like from the, the left to the right side of the street, here comes the national guard with the police and they're sweeping down the street. And again, it's after curfew. So, okay, bet it's time. Yeah. It's time to go. I'm not trying to get shot like the woman I just saw. Um, and I'm not trying to get arrested. And 
it was on this day, um, like I was able to make it back to my car and, and get back to my mom's. My mom still lives in the Minneapolis area. Um, but when I, I got home to her house, I saw the footage on uh, social media where these people were standing on their porch in South Minneapolis and the, that one of those units came sweeping by in the streets and was yelling at them to get, in, get inside. They were like inside of their fence line. They weren't on their porch yet. They were inside of the fence line. And the guidelines were from the governor that you could be at home. You could be outside. You just couldn't be in the streets. And so did you see this video? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. It was like a a covered porch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They ended up going up on the porch. And the um, as, as the units swept by, they stopped. And they were almost like, you know, almost like robots. They stopped turned towards them and one guy yelled light them up and they started firing at them and, and shot projectiles at these people on their own damn porch and it's like dude that day that day showed me that our democracy this united states is very fragile and it is not exactly what we think it is i i saw things that day that should never happen i saw tanks rolling in city streets that should never happen in the united states so like i'm just this curiosity seeker i i want to be a truth teller i want to make a difference in the world but bewildered you notice i haven't written anything like i've got my mouth shut i'm just kind of observing because yeah. I, I, I don't really know what to think well and it's good to leave it open so you when you come across what you do think or what you want to put your finger on then you can unleash all those thoughts and feelings right we and and myself in particular and i'm sure i can speak for others when i say that we just want you to be careful out there like it's okay to go looking for that good trouble but know when to say when and it sounds like you do know that but man just be careful thank you aaron i i really i really really appreciate that um and I, um, hmm. I just hope for the best for for all of us. Um, I I sit really disillusioned post Trump. Um, not to get political, I sit here in the era of you know <laughs> Uncle Joe in the White House. I'm not really sure what's going on in the world anymore. So I'm just kind of minding my own business. And, um, you know, hopefully you won't see a, a whole lot of uh, a lot of debating. But I, I probably will be that voice that is still out there when I see racism. Uh, that, that tends to be what I'll gravitate towards if I see just some, some blatantly, like a do- either a dog whistle or some blatant racist shit, I'll, I'll chime yeah. in. Um, you know, a lot of people who harbor that ideal ideology enough that they're bold enough to write it right they have some stereotypes and some some views and and one of them that has been unleashed on me a lot is they think that black folks are not educated so i like to wear them out with my good wordy ass (laughs) good job (laughs) good good work and that's what you should um yeah you know like, hey, let me, let me drop a few words on you here and, and I may send you to the thesaurus. And, and I, I feel satisfied and now I can go on about my, my day. But um, 
You know, Aaron, there is something that I, I would like to talk about. Yeah. If that's possible. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. The floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's something that we didn't cover, but it is relevant. Um, so something that I did do in my travels and in, in many career paths, I was an academic advisor in Des Moines, um, in the Des Moines public schools. Wow, for, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, there was this program called PEP. Partners for Educational Progress, and it was a part of the um, Greater Des Moines Partnership, and we had an office right upstairs from them um, down on Court Avenue, and our mandate was to go into the school systems and, you know, work with kids and be a partner with the family and the school system. And I had a caseload of 75 kids, very similar to everyone else. I think the majority of the other folks were either like Hoover or North graduates. I don't think there were any other Roosevelt graduates. Um, Well, um, actually, Dee Smith, uh, who graduated under us, she worked for the program also. Um, So that's not true. She, there is another writer. (coughs) Excuse me. But... I bring this up because um, as far as my activism goes, there were some, some things that I pushed hard for. And I think it's, it's really important for, for parents to know kind of what goes on behind the scenes with school systems. Um, and I'm sure as you talk to other writers who I know there are several who are educators uh, now who really get the the insight, but kids get lost in the system and it doesn't matter how well educated the parent is. Um, It doesn't matter how bright the child is. Um, I had a student who was a ROTC person, J-R-O-T-C person. And it was his junior year. We were heading towards summer and he'd taken so many damn J-R-O-T-C classes. I don't know why I can't say that today. Um, but he'd taken so many of these damn classes and electives that he did not have enough core credits to graduate. And how does that happen when there's a J-R-O-T-C counselor and there is an academic counselor that's in the school system? His parents weren't aware. He was not aware. And it was only through sitting down and combing through his transcript and matching up that transcript to the core requirements. I don't know if they're still printed on, you know, every those books that we would get at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But they're right there. They're right there. Right there. That's what your kid needs to graduate. That That's it right there. You know, and so that was something that I, I really pushed hard to advocate and make a change in the Des Moines public school system. So hopefully that never happens to another kid again, that no kid should ever be able to fill their schedule up period after period and not get what they need. You know, that's not the kid's failure. That's in fact, not the parent's failure. That's a flat out failure of the school system. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe 
they were pushing that kid towards the military, but you still need to have a, a degree to get into the military, don't you? You 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 still have to graduate from high school, right? Right. So yeah, someone. I mean, even if they were trying to push him towards the military, which is what they sounds like they were trying to do with the all the ROTC classes, they were going to fail at that. So man, who knows what was going on there? But good lord. It, but it's it's exemplary, and he's just one of you know kind of many kids that had different things that were were going on. Um, and I'd have to say, if anything I've ever 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 done, and I can't see myself, I can't see a path back to that for myself. It's outside of my wheelhouse. But outside of anything I've ever done, is what I am honestly most proud of was working with those kids and working to make a difference and being that driving force. There are, are kids that I see that I had to, to this day, um, kids who were bad. And now, you know, I laugh with them when I see them because I would show up and we had the ability to pull them out of class. Like PEP was great. It was an awesome, awesome, awesome program. We could show up at any time, get with them, meet with our educators. And so if things were going on, I'd show up and pull them out. And, um, We'd have, you know, some good, good talks. <laughs> yeah. Like, get straight, fly right. And uh, it was a partnership also with Drake, and we did tutoring. And so we'd impose mandatory tutoring. And I wanted to stop, and I wanted to share this because, you know what? We were just people. None of us were professionals in this realm. Um, we just simply all cared. We trained we trained on what was salient, what to pay attention to as you do when you come into, you know, any new new job or what have you. And we really made a difference. And so I know I'm not the only one that has that type of I just wanted to like so many ways that we can get involved and we can make a difference. Um, I believe that I read last week that there is a group of fathers in Des Moines who have come together and they are, I, I don't want to misname them, but I, I think, is it Fathers on the Move, maybe? But I, I believe that they're going to start going into the Des Moines public school system um, to, to try and help curb the fighting and what's going on. And man, that's where it's at. This is how we build our community is just by showing up. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I'll echo the working with kids. It's so rewarding. Um, I mean, you're getting out of it and you're giving and you're making memories. It's, I, you can't, you can't put a price tag on something like that. I, I, the coaching that I've done and the fun and what I get out of it. And it's not just my own kid. I was coaching basketball before I even had kids. Oh man. And coaches, you guys, you guys really, for, I mean, you're, you're some, some kids' fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's so rewarding, and and to see a kid a couple years later, and you know, he still calls you coach, and he runs up, and you get to swap stories. Like, there's there's no price you can put on something like that. It's uh, it's real, re- it's rewarding, and I encourage anybody if if anyone's listening and has ever thought about it or kicked it around, just get involved some way because it's so much fun, and it's so rewarding. It is, it is, and it's it's great because their parents take them home. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just just joking for people, but yeah, you know, so yeah. So at Roosevelt, do you have any memories that stand out? Um, any big deals that happened? 
Man, I mean, like there were so many firsts that happened um, there, you know, in the sense that we're kind of coming of, of age. Um, gosh, I, I, I remember I remember a lot. One, one thing that I would like um, to have, if I could have it right now from Roosevelt, would be those, those no-bake cookies. And those oh, yeah, peanut yeah. butter cookies that would be the hot. oatmeal ones. Yeah, the yeah. oh, the, were they oh, mm, peanut? But you're talking yeah. the chocolate no bake. Yes, the chocolate no bake cookies. Those cookies, and then they would make the hot um, chocolate chip and I think peanut butter cookies. We could get them in the front foyer at different times. Yeah. Like, in, in that like wax paper. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Those are like the best <laughs> cookies ever. <laughs> oh man, I did not see that coming. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> memories of Roosevelt. You talking about cookies that got, they are good cookies. I was looking for something juicy, but all right, all right. Well, you know, because I'm res- I actually have a confession, so I'm, I'm reserving the confession. Oh I, yes, I was. Uh, I've been very amused listening to these, and I was like, "Gosh, I, I was pondering if I if I was in on on Sibby's answers or not, because um, that that was a great story there." Is the chem test? Told, yes. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you in on that? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I kind of don't think so. But I. <laughs> Keisha. <laughs> no. The statute of limitations has already passed. And you could. No. No. My... This one is for Vig Neroli. This one is for Vig. So there was a day. Like I just was over it. And I just wanted to go home. So I was like, okay, all right, what can I do? I want to go home. I want to go home. So I had had gone to the bathroom and, and I had, um, you know, gotten sick and called home and, my, you know, got to the nurse and stuff and was like, great. Well, Vig was like, nope, she can't go. What? He, he did. He did. And, and he, told, he told my aunt. He was like, no, she's, she's lying. And so, you know, now my aunt is up in arms, like, you know, the, how dare you and this and that. And, and of course I'm right, right with it. How dare you? Well, the truth of the matter was that I indeed was lying and I, I indeed did make myself sick and I sure did skate on out of Roosevelt that day. So Vignaroli for as much heat and shit as he got. And I think, I think I held a grudge with him. Like every time I saw him, I'd like frown at, but the truth was that he knew what time it was and he was right. So big, you know, there you go. That's the truth. He'd been around the block a few times. He'd been around the block a few times. <laughs> how do you think he knew? What would, how did you tip him off? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how he knew. Like, I, he, that man had some kind of, of freaky superpower or some shit. I, I don't know. Damn, well, good out of him, I guess. Good, good out of him. Good out of him. So, you know, so that if that gives him, because is he still with us? I don't know. I've never, he, that's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. It's been almost 30 years on top of, what was he then, 50, 55? 
Yeah, he was he was older. I mean, I know Dr. Conley was with us for for quite some time. Yeah. Until until more recently, um, but if if Vig is, you know, I hope he hears this. And uh, yeah, there's some vindication for you. Good. I like. I see. I love when people reveal. <laughs> like I'm all about the the reveal. So, what are you doing these days for fun, Keisha? Oh man. So last year during COVID, I bought myself a PlayStation. So Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I am not like out and about or what have you, like I'm a pretty to myself person, you know, I like to kind of turn off the bell and kind of mind my own business, um, believe it or not. And so yeah, I fire up the game. And I am all things Grand Theft Auto. So, you know, if anybody plays and there's like a bomb that rains from above, like it might be me. It might be, might not, you know. Who That's knows? funny. <laughs> that is yeah. funny. Yeah. So um, I, I do that. Outside of that, um, you know, I've become kind of boring in my, in my older age. It just... I think like everybody else, I'm just trying to, you know, right now, just trying to hold on and, and stay, stay sane um, with all of the, the changes in the world. And, you know. Yeah, I, I hear you there. It's every time you turn around, there's a new variant and it's it's getting to the point where, you know, I, I got my shots. I wear a mask. Yeah, me too. Um, I yeah. still I still ended up getting what I believe was COVID. Um, even I went to the doctor. They didn't even give me a test, which was a surprise. Oh, wow, really? It was like a it was like a twenty five year old intern. It was it was something, you know, because they're so stretched thin. This has been months ago, but whatever. Um, and now there's another variant, and man, it's mm-hmm. just it's to the point where all right, you know, what are we gonna what are we gonna do here? Because people it, with with each new variant, people are dropping <laughs> off the line of believing it, you know, because you can only believe government for so, for so much. And I think it's just wearing people out to where they're just going to wring their hands of it. And, uh, you know, and, and that's not a good thing. Aaron, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. How did I lose you? I don't know. I can still hear you. Hello. Yeah. You still there? Keisha, 